Red Sox fall on Marathon Monday, but it was Bayo's season debut. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome you back into Locked On Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Anzuski, and as I mentioned in our last episode, Lauren's currently on vacation, so I'm going to have tons of great guests throughout these next few weeks, and the guest today is Gone Bridge co-host Andrew Gardner. So, Andrew, it was Marathon Monday, Bayo's season debut how did, first of all, how did you enjoy all the different festivities throughout this past weekend, you know, with the 2013 team coming back and everything that went on during the 10-year anniversary? First off, happy to be on the show. Appreciate uh, appreciate the invite. But, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This is one of the best weekends of the year, especially in the in the first half of the season for, for any person in Boston. Marathon Monday. I mean, weather today, not great. Um, but... <laughs> You know, the Red Sox take three or four from the Angels. I don't think you can complain about that. I was at the game, uh, yeah, yesterday on Sunday, which I guess was like it was the quickest game of the, the season mm-hmm. like for any team. It felt like I was there for, you know, half a minute. Like the, the pitch clock is making such a difference. But, yeah, yesterday was great. I mean, again, it's still cold, but, uh, but you know, just being back at Fenway is so great. I actually I ran into the 2013 team like – at least half the team when I was walking to my seat That's up top, cool. um, which was which was super cool. Like a bunch of guys who like I'd forgotten about. Like I turned the corner, I see like Craig Breslow, Franklin Morales. I was like, man, this is this is sweet. But yeah, marathon today. I mean, not the result you're looking for. I think definitely a few positives to take away from things. Yeah, Bayo struggled first start of the year. I mean, especially with the rain delay, eleven o'clock start. You got to think that messes with his schedule, his routine a little bit. So, right. you know, he really just had a bad first inning. I wouldn't put too much to like too much heat on it, but I think after the series with the Rays, if you had said Red Sox take three or four with the Angels, have a chance to walk it off in the ninth in Game Four, I think most fans are signing up for that. So, uh, you know, it's a it's a good weekend. And you know, I, I talked about this yesterday, but last week, uh, Lauren and I had a lot of semi-negative thoughts uh each each and every single episode throughout last week and you know i i I said each episode you know we're gonna try and stay positive we're gonna do our best and and luckily uh you know in last episode that i recorded yesterday talking about you know three wins in a row it was probably the most positive i've been uh in a little bit about this team and it it was nice to talk about you know good things regarding the team and also you know semi-reminiscing on the 2013 team and you know, I, I watched the reunion uh, yesterday as well. Uh, I watched like the you know live stream that they did, and I, I can't believe Franklin Morales, like Mike Carp, like different guys that I like completely Ryan LeBarnway, guys that I completely forgot were on like the 2013 team. Like showed up. It was it was cool to see those guys back. Yeah, I mean the the 2013 team as a whole and. Uh, what they did for the city cannot be duplicated. I don't think ever. I mean, it was such an incredible team for them after, you know, everything that happened in 2012 with just a complete disaster. They, you know, right the ship, win the world series, you know, everyone picked them to be last, but there were a lot of guys on that team who you look back on and you're like, you know, a a lot of guys, you can pick out that 2013 was their career year. Mm -hmm. And again, you just can't duplicate that team. 
the, they, they kept the majority of that team together for 2014. They were not good. People saw that and they, you know, made moves and, and blew things up and traded, you know, half the team. But I've kind of been not really from what, what the team did uh, on the field, but especially kind of coming into the season. I, this 2023 team reminds me a little bit of the 2013 team, just with, you know, not a ton of big stars. Really, Devers is the the only guy is mm-hmm. like poppy on that that team. I mean, I know they had Pedroia and Lester a little bit bigger, but you know, just a, a different team, something to prove, kind of underdog status. And you know, eight and nine through their first seventeen games. I know that twenty thirteen team got off to a hot start, but kind of in terms of like some of the characters on the team too, with like Turner, Duvall, or not really Duvall, but uh, Kike Yoshida. I think a lot of people like. Reminds me a little bit of them. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go out and win the World Series, but I think I think looking back on it, ten years, one of the more uh, you know similar teams to that that 2013 club. And you know, I one one thing that you know was talked a lot about, you know, especially for, for, from our from our mutual friend Jared Garabas, is you know the vibes. You know that that was the one thing that a lot of people wanted to focus on, and. Uh, especially down in spring training, all the different personalities and, you know, trying to use that energy to help fans get excited about the team with, you know, the the limited, you know, big splash moves that they made, you know, obviously X leaving and everything like that. But, you know, one thing that I've noticed so far throughout this season is we haven't really felt that energy yet. Like I, I, in this series was sort of like the first little glimpse where we started to see some excitement from the team. And, you know, I mentioned this last week, like, Hopefully when they see the 2013 team, you know, get honored and you know, there's those feels from Marathon Monday, you know, the team will fully understand like what they're representing, like in the city that they're playing for. And, you know, that will maybe bring out a little bit more of like the energy and the swagger, because that was the one thing that I was yearning for in last year's team. You didn't see really see any of that. And, you know, when you think back to some of the best moments Cordero's Grand Slam, Travis Shaw's Grand Slam. Like there's there's no like real like defining, you know, swagger or like high energy moment that you can really pinpoint. And so it was nice to see at least during this Angels series, we started to finally see sort of that those vibes, feelings throughout this team. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because like with, with my show Gombridge, like we do uh end of the season or kind of end of the year awards show. And so one of the awards we do, we do moment of the year and, you know, 2021, we had so many to pick from. It was Mm -hmm. almost like tough to narrow down five where people could vote on this year. I remember I was sitting in the airport down in Florida making this list and I, I was having to scroll through like, like lists online to find top moments from the year. Cause I was like, I cannot think of anything. And yeah, that, that Franchi home run was really one of the only moments that stood out. And yeah, I agree. Like, maybe you know off the start of the year it's been a little bit boring I I think this team is going to figure itself out and again I think one of the things that I've been high on is just you know how important it is for this team to stay healthy and they've been decimated by injuries once again I mean Adam Duvall had the best start of any player in Mm -hmm. the league the first two weeks of the season gets hurt you know he's out six eight weeks so they've just they've been killed by that and and I think honestly with you know how much negative talk I see on Twitter and uh, you know, just talking with friends and stuff like that for them to be eight and nine and, you know, had a chance to go over 500 today. I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm happy with it, but I'll take it could definitely be worse. Right. Again, they won 78 games last year. I don't, I can't, I can't see them being worse than that. I just can't. Well, it has been interesting too. Cause like a lot of people are 
you know, pointed to the lack of depth and it's nowhere close to as bad as it was last year. And, you know, I, I sort of said like last week, uh, sort of in the, in the shoes of high and bloom, he's probably thinking like, this is what we were trying to avoid. You know, we were trying to get as much depth as possible if there were injuries like this. And, you know, now it's sort of unfolding and, you know, he's, he's probably thinking to himself, you know, I just can't win. You know, I, I get like massive amounts of depth. You know, you look at, you look at even like Worcester, like they have so many guys who are majorly proven have majorly experienced. Now they're not like high profile, majorly players down there, but you know, their depth pieces like all four, like Reg Allen, you know, Jake Faria, who, you know, just got designated for assignment after being called up. But you know, it, you, you, you can only have so many quality depth pieces to fill in all these different injuries. And, you know, Chris Martin's another one that just went down, obviously a big blow with that, you know, Zach Kelly just put on the 60 day IL, you know, it, it's just continuing to stack up and, you, you can only really do so much as, as a front officer, as a general manager to really be able to fill in those holes effectively. And I, I'm curious to see if we potentially see a move outside of them just calling up and down different guys. Yeah. I mean, there were more players, I think, last year than any team in Red Sox history to appear for the team. I mean, it seemed like, I mean, just so many guys like Yomar Sanchez, Jalen Davis. I mean, so many guys who you're not going to remember in two years were on the Boston Red Sox. Number 21, Jack Lopez. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Motter. I mean, mean, that was because of COVID, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 2022 Red Sox, there were just a lot of random guys. And just uh, I what 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 stinks with, with some of it is maybe it's you know it, it's short it, we're we're barely into the season at this point but yeah you see a guy like Franchi Cordero one of the depth pieces you know leave the team and he's he's lighting things up in New York right now he's you know one of their uh I don't even know if he, he's starting every day but it seems like I see him hit a home run every day so mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes in for people is it, it's hard to stay tuned into every single game of the season. It's a long season, especially with the Celtics. I just saw that now they're the heaviest one of the top teams in the NBA. The Bruins just had the best season in NHL history. Boston's always going to love the Patriots. They're always going to be interested in them. So I think for someone who is not tuned into the Red Sox every single day, yeah, you might take a look at this roster and be like, you know, why is Duran back up? Why is, you know, where is, you know, Paxton? Where is you know, player X, Y isn't Duval playing. And I understand the frustration, but again, it's like just the injuries. You can't control them. And it's, it's just been brutal for the team. And again, they'll bounce back, they'll get healthy, but you know, they've got to, they got to write the ship because there are a lot of good teams in the AL this year. Right. And, and, you know, it's been interesting to hear some of the, some people and their reactions with, you know, lineup that's been put out recently and, you know, this needs to be way better. And, you know, I'd I'd be very curious to sort of see what some of these other teams' lineups would look like if they had the amount of injuries that the Red Sox had. Granted, even you know you look at the rotation as well. We we all know you know pitching for the most part wins championships, and especially with the amount of injuries the Red Sox rotation had to begin the season. I'm just happy they they have a record. You know, as you mentioned, of eight and nine right now. You you can you can just be happy about that. Uh, but you know, you brought up Jaron Duran, and I want to talk a little bit more about him being caught up as well as you know some of the other things that we saw uh, going into Monday. But before we do that, I just want to talk to you about uh, So Rare. 
So, so rare is our new sponsor. It's a revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace transferring, transforming fans into owners with the officially licensed digital cards featuring players from all across 30 MLB teams. It's unlike any other fantasy baseball platform, and it's truly a great one where you can collect buy, sell, and, and compete with player cards against global opponents to win epic rewards. Win or lose, you still own your cards, and there's no cost to play. Plus, the more you win, the more you advance. So collecting increasingly powerful cards and assessing the next level of competitions and rewards. Another really cool thing as well is Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto are brand ambassadors and will both be featured as So Rare's current brand campaigns as well as will be engaging with the community throughout the season as well. So if you want to check out So Rare, go to SoRare.com slash LockedOn. That's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's so rare.com slash locked on to start playing today. And somebody else that just started playing today, specifically for the Boston Red Sox, is Jaron Duran back up in the major leagues for, in my opinion, probably his last shot to show that he deserves to be on this Red Sox club and that he can be a productive major league player. But one thing a lot of people sort of expected that this move could be coming with, you know, obviously the Duval injury as well as all the different lefties coming. Most people mentioned, you know, once the Red Sox get past all these lefty pitchers, we'll probably see Jaron Duran get his last and final shot. But interestingly enough, in Worcester, he was batting 195. He went eight for eight for his 41 up at bats down with the Woo Sox. But he did have a lot better play presence. Walked 10 times compared to 11 strikeouts. Hit two home runs and six RBIs. And something that actually happened two days ago that sort of brought me back to the whole Tapia play was Duran uh, ended up making a misplay in center field. And the Woo Sox, were, I think they were winning like five to four. And Duran uh, wasn't able to track a ball, went right over his head and ended up scoring two runs uh, for the Columbus Clippers. And then he ultimately ended up being up that very next inning, ended up hitting a ball that in most people's minds, at least when I saw it, I thought it was going to be a flyout. And Duran actually took his bat slammed it on the ground looking all pissed off like he ended up just hitting a flyout. it was actually a game tying home run and it was just it, it was just a crazy sort of turn of events uh but I, I i was really happy to see him get his his you know third shot now at trying to show that he deserves to be on this major league club but was able to hit a double in, in monday's game yeah i i agree i think this is probably the last point where duran if he struggles again this year Maybe looking at a trade, maybe looking at a DFA, but we're a ways away from from the end of the season or even that happening. But yeah, I think this is this is a huge opportunity for Duran to to prove himself. I don't think that anybody, especially himself, thought that he was going to be getting an opportunity two weeks into April to be the starting center fielder for this team, basically. And you mentioned they get through the stretch of of lefties, uh, through the Tigers, through the the Rays, and now through the Angels, he comes up for Bobby. And, you know, he's got a, he's got a chance to prove himself because let's be honest, Yoshida hasn't been playing all that great. Verdugo has been raking, but with Duvall out and, you know, Tapia, you're not going to get a, a ton out of him. He's got a chance to to step up. I mean, Verdugo's looked comfortable in that in that leadoff spot. But again, Duran is is your like prototypical top of the order guy. He's got the speed. He's shown he's got some pop, especially in the minors, too, not so much at the major league level. But this is kind of the chance. Like, is Jaron Duran a quad A baseball player 
or can he finally prove that you know he deserves to be up here and you know again i think if he plays well you could see him replacing like tapia as that fourth outfielder with the with the lefty uh lefty at bat so we'll see i mean i was very very disappointed with him last year he was just i did not enjoy watching him to be completely honest but again i'm optimistic that you know he's got the tools to make it work i know he's not like super super young but he could be a good uh, a good piece for this team and you know I, I spoke with him going into uh this past season with the Wu Sox, and, and you know he really mentioned throughout the offseason really tried to work on his mental game uh has has been really really reading a lot of different uh you know personal development books recently which it was nice to hear you know him trying to grow in that aspect because that's one thing you know we, we obviously saw last year in some of his comments off the field that immaturity is there. And, you know, you're 26, 27. You, you can't be acting like he did as a professional. And I, I hope at least with, with this shot, you know, maybe he's a little bit quieter in terms of, you know, the, the media coverage or maybe a little bit smarter and a little bit more professional the way he goes about things. And I think he definitely learned from last season. And, you know, it was a little bit odd sort of his last shot in the majors and a doing really well in the leadoff spot for like the first few weeks that we saw him. And then everything sort of went downhill, you know, with the, with the Tapia misplay that ended up being an inside the park grand slam, you know, the, the, the Royals sort of whole situation where he's arguing with the fans. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to sort of see not only, you know, how his new stance helps him really perform. Obviously we saw that really worked throughout spring training last year, but you brought up the leadoff aspect and, you know, Tapia ended up leading off in Monday's game and Durant ended up batting ninth. And, you know, you could obviously say one component of that is, you know, he, he just played last night in Worcester ended up, you know, just getting the call up uh, this morning. So probably, you know, they, they didn't want to rush him too much in uh, to, to, you know, major league pitching. But I'm curious to sort of see where he does land in this Red Sox lineup, you know, throughout, you know, his his you know stint in the majors, if they will generally put him in the nine spot or if, you know, they want to try and see what he can do at the leadoff spot, as well as is center field the only place that you're going to keep him? Because, you know, he played really well in left field uh, throughout spring training. Who knows what he's able to do in right, but center field just doesn't seem to be the place for him. Yeah, I mean, you can move him around. I mean, I, I he he shouldn't really like have a say in things if if you know he's the minor league guy and you know trying out for a position. Throw him around, see where he uh, you know plays the best. You know, we we've even seen that with Verdugo the last two years. He played the first half of the season left uh, last year in left field. He's been playing right field really ever since. And again, like you know, Yoshida's had the hamstring injury. He's been DHing a little bit. There's a lot of flexibility with this lineup. I will say, one people are healthy. You can move guys around. Kike hasn't looked too too comfortable at, at shortstop. So, you know, again, you can move him to center, move Durant to left. Again, there, there's a lot of places you can move different players. It's just who's going to hit. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, you, you know, I, I, I am curious to see how he really approaches this shot at the plate, you know, because he did struggle a little bit at the plate down in Worcester. And, you know, he I, I saw him chase – uh, you know, at, at some questionable pitches here or there. And, you know, he did a little bit uh, in today's game striking out twice. But I, I hope he does use that better plate presence like we saw a tiny bit with some of those walks when he was with the Woo Sox. But at the same time, you know, this is his shot to truly show that he has a future with the Red Sox. And, you know, I, I hope he fully takes advantage of it. But, you know, it was it was nice to sort of see another Red Sox starter make his season debut on the mound in Brian Bayo. Didn't exactly start exactly how most fans wanted it to. You know, he ended up striking out, uh, you know, you know the Angels rookie shortstop to begin the inning. Then Otani ended up, uh, you know, singling 
Ward ended up getting hit by a pitch, and then Renfro, old friend of the Sox, ended up hitting a three-run home run over the monster. But it was sort of tough to see some of those command issues early on for Bayo, and you could see that he was definitely frustrated with how it went. Yeah, I mean, not the type of start Bayo wanted, and, you know, it, it is what it is. Again, like, I think today you attribute it to a guy who – 11 o'clock is your starting time. You get that push back by an hour. I know he kind of, he got taken out after the second rain delay, but he's had to, you know, rehab. And again, he, he didn't pitch, you know, well today, but after that first inning, it was, it was better. And I think if you look at last year, he really struggled in his first three starts after that. He, and I think maybe, I think it was 11 starts, eight of his, his last eight starts, he only gave up more than three runs once in those last eight starts. And I had a couple people texting me today, like, oh, Bayo's back, he stinks, blah, 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 blah. Why can't the Red Sox develop pitching? Which, yeah, I don't disagree with that. We really haven't seen good prospects the last couple of years. I think it's the complete opposite with Bayo, and I think that is such a lazy take if if you think Brian Bayo is, you know, if he's, you know, already, already done at this point. The kid had one bad inning today, so be it. He was, you know, he shoved at the end of last season. He was great. He's got good stuff. I mean, I think, you know, you reevaluate it at the beginning of the season or at the, the middle of the season, but I'm not too worried about him, really. I, I think it's just weather, timing, first start of the year is what it is. And I think as well, uh, you you know, he, he did have – some game action, you know, th- throughout, you know, some spring training stimulated games. And then, you know, he, he had that start with Worcester, but other than that, you know, he hasn't really had a lot of game action. And, you know, there, there was a few pitches there where he was right on the corner of being a striker, a ball. And, you know, obviously if when we're talking about Brian Bayo making his fifth start, he's going to get those for strikes. You know, it, it's all about just getting those reps. You can have those, uh, you know, bullpen sessions where you're throwing to a catcher, but you know, it, it, when you're under those bright lights uh, in in MLB action, you know, it's a lot different. And I, I also saw a few other people, you know, alluding to how his command was sort of an issue w- when he made his Worcester rehab start. It wasn't, you know, he, he he had zero walks over six strikeouts, only allowed four hits, allowed one earned run. One of them was a home run. So he, he has struggled a little bit, allowing some of those home runs. Obviously, we saw that with Whitlock when he came back in his first start as well. But he also struck out four in that Woo Sox outing. And so I think I think it's something where, I like how you brought up how he struggled, uh, you know, when he when he first came up, you know, really just being thrown right into the rotation when he wasn't ready and then really coming into his own, uh, you know, after coming back from from that slight injury last season and then shoving throughout the rest of the year. So I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what he's able to bring in his second start. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's very similar to, you know, what we saw with Garrett Whitlock, maybe not going fully seven innings like Whitlock did, but you're going to hopefully see a little bit of a bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to remember, again, this kid made his 12th MLB start today. That is a lot of pitchers in a season. If they stay healthy, they're making their 12th start at the end of May. So you're looking at a guy who has, in his career, in terms of starts, pitched basically a a third of an MLB season. He's still young. He's still a top prospect. Again, I just think, you know, Marathon Monday, you're going against Otani, a lot of pressure. He's he's a kid. I mean, he's he's you know hardly older than us. If I'm out there, I want to make a you know a great first impression. He's probably pushing a little, a little bit too much again. Like, I'm I'm not trying to read too much into this start. I think it's it's a whole combination of things. And again, you men, you mentioned Whitlock. He struggled in his first start down in Tampa. Pitches yesterday, absolutely shoved against the Angels. You know, best start turned in by any starter this year. So again, I'm not worried about it. I'll get back out there. Uh, I guess in six days with the six man rotation now. 
and, you know, get back at it. And, you know, you brought up that six-man rotation. And, you know, one guy who you could really make a seven-man rotation with Cutter Crawford in there. I mean, what he was able to do out of relief going six and one-third, only allowing one hit with five strikeouts against this Angels lineup after, you know, the, the game was resumed after the, the rain delay, it it's really shows there's no reason to send him down once again. He doesn't need any more work in AAA. Yes, he, struggled, he struggles a little bit when you put him in there as a starter. But, I mean, if you have him and Winkowski as your long relievers, I don't think it gets any better than that. No, not at all. And I will say for yesterday, I owe Ryan Brazier an apology. I was not expecting him to come out and close that game the way he did. But in general, there is no reason Cutter Crawford should be sent down while Ryan Brazier is is still on the team. Or I know Caleb Orr, again, he was the, you know, the setup guy yesterday and, and shut things down. Cutter Crawford has earned a spot on this on this major league roster he struggled in 2020 uh, i think yeah it was either 2020 or 2021 i can't remember when he came out and then the the first half of last year he struggled as well but after the all-star break or towards the end of the season he was pretty good especially um you know he he made some starts i remember on the fourth of july he pitched really well came Mm -hmm. out and you know again was was good in relief appearances and his era is is down to around four and a half now after an absolute blowout outing in in his uh first start of the of the season so again yeah Crawford Winkowski great long relief options and those are two guys too where if guys get hurt in the rotation and they're pitching really well throw them in they they both started you know probably 10 games or so each last year so you got to be happy with with what you're seeing from them uh from them so far 100 and you know the the I, I said the same thing with uh Brazier in yesterday's episode I sort of went on the fact because you know we, we've we've crapped on Brazier a lot on this podcast and and it's it's just from you know his performance you know nothing against the guy is just when you're not helping the Red Sox get W's you shouldn't be on this team but it was nice to sort of see him especially over these last few outings he's been really effective and you know I sort of went at, at the message of if you're gonna help the Sox get W's that's all I care about at the end of the day so I respect you in, in that <laughs> aspect but you know when, when do you have another string of like five outings where you know you're blowing things up and you know it maybe you know causes different losses or something like that i'm going to take those flowers away and i'm going to be realistic and honest that you know you're not performing too great right now but you know i i think it's going to be very interesting once paxton gets caught up ultimately what happens you know with this six-man rotation you know brian o'halloran obviously spoke about that it's probably only going to be this one turn but for you i'm curious uh is there anybody in your mind uh who you think is going to be the immediate odd man out. I already have a person in my mind, but I think it's the obvious person, but I'm, I'm curious what you think. I don't know. Honestly, I, I you run down the rotation. Kluber, like Kluber hasn't been good, but he, you know, he's not really going anywhere. Sale, same thing. Like those guys have been struggling. If those two guys, again, can kind of turn things around, I think things are better. Tanner Houck for me, you know, he's probably going to be the guy who goes to the pen as much as I, you know, he's a good pitcher anywhere. That's the thing. Like, I think he's probably going to be the guy who who gets sent back there. I will say, though, Nick Pavetta could make for a sneaky setup guy, and I don't think they're going to do that. They're going to keep Pavetta in the rotation. I mean, he eats innings like it's no one's business. He made the most starts for the team last year. But I do think, I'm not looking too far ahead, but I do think if you get to the postseason and Pavetta's like your fifth starter – I think he could be like lethal out of the pen, but that's kind of kind of a side point. I do think it's probably going to be Hauk. I do think maybe I, I and I'm curious to see what they do with Paxton. Like, does Paxton start out of the pen? 
get a few innings. I mean, he hasn't pitched significant innings in what, like three or so years now. It's mm-hmm. been a very long time. So we'll see. But again, depth, at least in the in the pitching side of things with, with starters, is is very, very strong for the Red Sox. And those depth pieces who weren't fantastic for most of the year last year, like in Crawford, in Winkowski, they've been some of the best pitchers. Like if you exclude that first cutter Crawford, sorry, two of the best pitchers on this team. So I think you've got to be really pleased with that, especially when like your big guns, if if you want to call like Corey Kluber that, your big guns, <laughs> Kluber and Sale, not performing. You got those guys who can kind of come in and shut things down. I agree. And, you know, Hauk was the guy that I was, that I was referring to is, you know, it's kind of the obvious answer. Uh, mm-hmm. He's sort of the odd man out. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, when Paxton does ultimately come back, you see some of these, you know, games like you saw today where, you know, Crawford sort of you know, pitched a bulk amount of innings. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, you know, Paxton in his first few starts go like four innings. And then we see, you know, Crawford or Winkowski come out there for, you know, three or so just to bridge the gap, just to help him continue to, you know, build up. Um, interestingly enough, Chris Henrik ended up speaking with uh, Paxton about the possibility of he, him being slide in the bullpen. And he sort of said that, uh, He's never been talked about that before. Uh, so that sort of indicates it right there. Who knows exactly what the moving pieces will look like when he ultimately is placed into the rotation. But, you know, Carabas also brought up the possibility of, you know, if uh, Sale makes, you know, three or four bad starts like he has, like, do you just sort of bite the bullet and put him in the bullpen? I guess you could. I mean, it's just I don't so really much know money as a bullpen sale, arm, you uh, know? To be like, completely honest, uh, it's just the control thing. I think it's another thing too, where it's it's been bad. I mean, if I'm not going to sugarcoat things, like it's been bad for him so far. But again, he's another guy who he pitched a little bit in 2021. He pitched two games last year, didn't pitch in, in 2022. So it's been basically four calendar or yeah, basically four calendar years since he's had a full season. So. Again, I'd let him kind of ease back th- into things a little bit more. I mean, he's a different pitcher than than before all these surgeries. He's not going to come out and pump, you know, 99, 100 like he was. And for him to be successful, it's going to be two things. It's going to be the stuff and it's going to be his location. And his location, at least, is, has not been good so far. A lot of walks. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see Sale being thrown in the bullpen. But in my eyes, if you're paying a guy, you know, $22, 23000000 million dollars, and he's got the pedigree, got the resume that Chris Sale does. I think you just got to keep him in the rotation. Yeah, I think it's up at like 35 right now. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do wish it was that that little. I think you're right. <laughs> but he, I, I mean, especially with that control, like I, I think I saw one of one of his, his sliders be you know, right in the middle of the zone. And that was never like that when he was on his game. And, you know, I, I think especially if you start to see his stuff, you know, massively decrease and become ineffective once he you know gets to the second or third inning or so and teams are just hitting the cover off of the baseball maybe you start to think about you know maybe one or two innings here or there as a bullpen arm maybe that will help him be better served but you never like to see a guy getting paid that much amount of money uh going that little amount of innings i mean you know edwin diaz is he was going to be getting paid 20 million dollars to be a close but at the same time like that's edwin diaz you know yeah, I mean, the same thing, too, which which you've got to think about is, I mean, obviously, they're not going to come out and publicly say this, but I'm sure there's a there's an inning limit on Chris Sale this year. So, yeah. I mean, again, maybe once you get towards the all-star break, if you want to, you know, again, we talked about how many starters they have or 
at least guys who can start games. If you want to throw him out of the bullpen, give him like, you know, two, three innings a week and just kind of save that arm. Because even in seasons when he was really, really good, you look back at 2017. I mean, up until August, like, I don't, I remember the betting odds. Like, I remember someone saying like the betting odds were like minus 500 Chris Sale. And he tailed off at the end of that year. 2018, like same thing. 2019, you know, 2020 or yeah, 2019, he gets hurt at the end of the year. Like even when he's been good, once it gets to late August, September, October, if the Red Sox make the playoffs, like you're seeing him start to fatigue, start to like not be as good as he was. And I think it was 2017 against the Astros in the playoffs, like he blew up against the Astros. So again, I think with a lot of like other guys and, you know, Chris Sale is not the ACU used to be. There's not the pressure on him. I, I don't think it's a bad idea to, yeah, just just take it slow with him this year. Take it slow. I think, you know, you brought up Pavetta as potentially, you know, a bullpen guy in the playoffs. I think you could also bring up Sale as a possibility yeah. of that. You know, e- even if even if you don't put him in the bullpen, you know, during the regular season, you could you could potentially do that uh, during during the postseason because we know how how important, you know, good depth in bullpens and, you know, quality arms uh, coming out of the pen is, is, you know, so important can really change the game for any team uh, throughout the playoffs, but uh, really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Andrew. And, you know, for, for anybody who you know wants to stay tuned uh, with everything that's happened on happening with the Red Sox five days a week, make sure to subscribe to locked on Red Sox on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if people want to check out Gombridge, where can they check that stuff out? Yeah, so you can find us on, I mean, basically anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, podcast is called Gone Bridge. Uh, me and two of my buddies, we met in college, just talking socks, um, having a good time with it. We, we put out usually at least one episode a week. Um, and then, yeah, same thing, find us on you know Instagram, Gone Bridge, Twitter. It's funny, I, I say this at the end of every show, and now I'm like struggling to, to remember it. Uh, Twitter at gone bridge instagram's gone bridge podcast um and yeah awesome and and as always we thank everybody for making lockdown red sox their first listen of every single day now every day or tomorrow on the show we have a very special guest and jake yossi the producer for the Carabas pod or aka the name redacted podcast so definitely make sure to tune into that episode also make sure to follow locked on red sox on twitter it's lo underscore red sox myself it's at jake iggy and also my co-host lauren it's la 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 three laws lauren will with four r's but we greatly appreciate everybody tuning in we'll end this episode how we always end it keep the faith stay positive and let's go socks